What's up, pitches? Welcome back to Pitch Slapped. My name is Kaylee Hillier, and this is the Pitch Perfect fandom podcast because I have been a fan of Pitch Perfect since Becca Mitchell got into that taxi, drove to Barden, and played that mix of Buster Move versus 212. It's a whole mood, and I'm all here for it. This week on the podcast, I will be delving in to the second part of our look at the shower scene, the famous shower scene, and of course, fan fiction writer Ellie, aka TMYLM, will be joining me as we continue our chat looking at that scene. We've also got some fan fiction highlights for you this week, including a rather smutty one that lots of people seem to love, a date that's not a date, and Aubrey and Emily get a little bit deep after reeling from the effects of Pitch Perfect 3. But of course, before we get to all of that, it's time to delve into our actor news. This week on Actor News, we are gearing up as Skylar Austin will be releasing his new single coming out apparently on the 23rd of June. So it's literally just out and it's called Without You. And he has been going full on promo this week. He's been doing little competitions where you could have like a virtual hangout with him and everything. So it's going to be interesting with him releasing his first single out into the world and seeing how that does and clearly he's got more music projects on the way so watch this space also with the up-and-coming suicide squad Falula Borg he got onto Twitter this week to drop the new trailer on his Twitter and uh, it's all gearing up for the suicide squad on August the 6th he's also on the Kelly Clarkson show where he talked about his love of David Hasselhoff and all sorts of stuff Anna Camp was at the Tribeca Film Festival for the premiere of her movie Graceland. Graceland is about Prissy, who is played by Anna Camp, who has worked hard to create a perfectly normal life for her family, but tensions run high when Grace claims to be the reincarnation of Elvis Presley. Equal parts worried for her child as well as how this behaviour reflects upon her and disrupts the perfect family life she's worked so hard to achieve. Prissy will have to search her heart to figure out what's most important. Graceland uses the music of Elvis Presley and a young person's sense of connection to him to explore self-identity, gender and acceptance. Sounds like such an intriguing plot that I'm so intrigued to see how this play out and excited to see Anna Camp in the role so watch the space for that one also this week we know that Hayley Steinfeld has been working on Dickinson season three and we got to see little photos trickling online of them celebrating the finishing of the filming of Dickinson season three the rap party so we know it's all filmed and now we can just gear up for preparing ourselves for the wonder that is Dickinson. And after the season two ending, who knows what's going to happen. And finally, Esther Dean has been releasing some little, like, advice bits through buzzsprout.com. She has her own kind of, like, podcast thing on there where she just kind of gives you short little snippets of life advice. It's called One to One with Esther Dean. 
and she's got topics like how to make money, how to write for radio, how to deal with rejection, all about her experience working in the music industry and as a songwriter. So they're not very long at all. They're like short little clips. It's so great to see her sort of working on little projects like this and just how hardworking she is and the fact that she wants to kind of give back and share that advice. So if you did want to check out One to One with Esther Dean, it is available on buzzsprout.com or you can see links to it. She keeps posting them up on her Twitter. Well, that's our actor news. We'll be delving into fan fiction highlights a little bit later on. But of course, we spoke a long time about the Sarah scene. We did part one last week. So it's time to delve into part two of the infamous The Chloe Shower Scene. And of course, I sat down with fan fiction writer Ellie, aka TMYLM, to help me through this experience because it is quite a difficult scene to take a look at the shower scene from Pitch Perfect One. It is infamous, it's a famous scene, it's much beloved, but it's also rather controversial, and we covered a bit of the controversial sides of that in the previous episode. So this is us continuing down into the rabbit hole that is the Bacloe shower scene. It's the weirdest interaction poor Becca probably goes through in her life, just for the fact that, like, I don't know at what point she suddenly realises that this is the girl from the acapella group like, <laughs> talking yeah. to her and that this girl has got no other conversation on her mind apart from singing an acapella. Yeah. Well, I mean, Becca, like, literally says something like, I can't, like, focus on anything you're saying until you, like, cover your junk. And it was like, so she, maybe she, like, doesn't even realise at that point. She's just kind of like, I mean, if there's just, like, a naked person in my shower, like, what do I do? Like, yeah, she like, probably doesn't realise who it is. And that's a, that's a fair thing to say, because, like, I'm sure that she's probably more worried about trying to cover herself up or get out of the situation than what this person is saying in front of her. Yeah. Like, you know, no wonder she's like, I can't concentrate on anything you're saying until you cover your junk. Like, it's a fair statement. And yet, yeah, all of Chloe's, like, comments just are so inappropriate just for the fact that she's not, like not listening to what's happening yeah and she just keeps going so the next comment <laughs> she makes is about prince's butt <laughs> yes and paul becker is just like oh my gosh what why <laughs> <laughs> like, you're naked in a shower maybe let's not talk about how tiny prince's butt is yeah i feel like becca's probably like low-key like somewhere quite impressed by that though <laughs> that's kind of impressive like you know singing back at the prince come on i mean Beck is quite the muse, though, you know, she's quite the music fan. So I would have thought that that probably, yeah, that was probably like, she probably wouldn't show it, but that was probably a, like a low-key impressive reference. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like something had, uh, something other than Chloe, which would be enough for me, but like something other than Chloe had to draw her into like joining the Bellas. And for like, as like an overall like Pitch Perfect thing rather than a Chloe thing, she needed something to draw her in and I feel like that was probably like a really impressive fact for her and she was like oh wow okay like maybe they're not as like lame as I thought they were like they get to do cool things and maybe I'll get to do cool things with them. It's an interesting point though about like there had to be some connection where Becca stopped panicking otherwise this could have gone like really badly for Chloe like the reaction mm -hmm. could have gone very differently there had to be something which would hook Becca into it so that this could have gone any further 
it's interesting it could have been prince and his tiny butt that could have been it. <laughs> um, i mean more so them singing backup for him than his tiny butt but, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah yeah but from like the chloe like point of view then obviously you're gonna it's gonna be chloe that drew her in but well one thing general that, overall thing one thing that i think it was was titanium yeah definitely she was like as well she, she probably like expected like acapella to be probably like old stuff like that she just wouldn't care about like the stuff that aubrey like actually has them singing that becca does not care about so she's like when she sees like chloe singing like a new song she's like oh okay maybe yeah maybe it's not as lame as i thought it was again i think that's a very true statement like she gets like a little impression of what the Bellas are like from the activities fair and Chloe really tries to sell it to her then and yet here Becca almost gets a real first-hand experience of what acapella could be like and it is connected around a song that she clearly loves I mean she's using it in a mix so she's got yeah. some connection to it and this also might like literally be like the first time she's ever sang with anybody because she's normally like on her own and like doing her own thing so it's like you know I don't want to join like an acapella group and have to sing with like other people and then this is like the first time she actually does sing with someone else and she's like okay well that didn't suck like I thought it was going to her first little taste. Do we think that when Beck was at the activities fair that she knew she could sing or do you think that she was just like dismissing it or like I I feel like she knew she could sing and when she said she doesn't sing it wasn't necessarily like saying that she can't sing it was saying that she doesn't sing like she can do it but she just doesn't and like she'll like sing to herself like casually like she was doing just then like walking into the shower like singing titanium but she doesn't like make a habit of like singing with people or in front of people i think it's interesting because i think it's like one of those things where she clearly sings in the shower and like on her own there's a difference between like just personally singing and then standing on a set stage and singing to a group of people like, i can't imagine that becca would have jumped on that in the same way yeah. i mean she's obviously sung a little bit for her mixes and added a little bit of her own voice there it's very different than to stand on a stage and belt a tune out she isn't super interested in like the singing side of like music she wants to like produce the music and she wants to do like you know the more of the background stuff so it's like you know i don't sing it's like she she just doesn't do that she cares more about like the background like yeah the stuff that's going on in the background rather than like the actual singing so again she can sing she just doesn't do that yeah maybe it's like she doesn't want to be that front of stage person at mm -hmm. that point and yeah it's interesting it's kind of interesting how it all kind of played out also another question in that scene i've always wanted to know who the heck knocks over the bottle because there's that awkward bit where like becca's like in the corner and like yeah. a bottle drops and chloe goes oops and the curtain falls away and i'm like what the heck happened there yep I feel like that was literally just added in just to make things more awkward for Becca, really. It was just like, okay, there's just so much going on right now and somebody's going to have to like lean down to like pick that up. And it's like, okay, 
this is the worst thing to do while naked with a random person. <laughs> but I'm like, so are we saying that Chloe was close enough to knock something? And because that's very close. Or did Becca drop something? Um, I think I don't know what it is. I feel like Becca just dropped something because she was like holding onto the curtain. And it was like a way for her to drop the curtain, basically. <laughs> Because she has a loofah and like a shampoo bottle or something and then she's grabbing the curtain. Maybe it's just too much. It's all just too much for Becca at this point. Yeah, exactly. It was just a lot and she's flustered and fidgeting and then of course drops the bottle or loofah or whatever it is and then it's just a way for her to let go of the shower curtain, I feel like. (laughs) Let's (laughs) just get rid of the shower curtain. (laughs) Yeah, it's just a way to make it like more like awkward for Becca basically as awkward as possible for her which is fun for our viewing pleasure and not so fun for poor Becca poor Becca Mitchell I mean this is a traumatizing event it really has been (laughs) so we again get to David Gutter and Titanium which talking about connections you can see Becca kind of change a little bit when suddenly Titanium gets brought up yeah She's like, she realizes that it's not like the super lame, like dorky old school thing that she thought it was. She's like, oh, wait, these people do like actual <laughs> cool, like current things. Not that she can say anything with 500, 5,000 miles, whatever it is, but you know, whatever works for her. <laughs> Which, to be fair, is probably a good point when you consider the fact that like her first, like, proper, like, question back to Chloe is like, you know Titan, you know you know David Gutter. I'm like Becca. Yeah. This <laughs> this is 2012. David Gutter has had a number of hits at this point. I know that you're a little bit of a music snob, but even though you're using 500 miles in a tune, yeah. But like, you cannot think that Chloe doesn't know who David Gutter is. Come on. Yeah, she's. I don't know. I just think she thinks that they are way like lamer than they actually are like she just expects them to be super like nerdy and like lame and but I feel like she probably expects everybody to be like that because it's like she's she's like met like nerdy people so far like Jesse like in the radio station and stuff she's like you know this is, he's he's a nerd <laughs> like you yeah. know like him or whatever it's like you know he's nerdy she's probably just expecting them all to be like that and she's kind of like you know I do not fit in with any of these people and then she kind of realizes when like Chloe like mentions titanium, she's like, oh, okay, maybe I do fit in a little bit with like one person at least. That's an interesting point. Yeah, rejection isn't failure said the only time we've ever seen take Becca taken aback, like she had this preconceived notion about Chloe, let's be honest, about acapella, but right there in the shower, we see her life literally change before our eyes. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. This, this whole idea that she had kind of obviously met the activities fair and decided it wasn't for her because of that impression that they gave off and suddenly kind of in this moment being like, oh, wait, she knows David yeah. better too. Yeah, and she's, like, just realising that she maybe does have something in common with people and, like, her probably, like, well, I guess not, like, all her life, but I guess, like, at least all her, like, teenage life, she's been, like, a loner and, like, oh, yeah, I don't, like, relate to anybody at my age, like, in any way. And then she, like, meets somebody who she does relate to and she's like, oh, okay, that's new. 
There was another Anon on Tumblr who said, Becca spent the entire time trying to find people to connect with. Nobody had anything in common with her and nothing to relate to her with. Even at the fair, she was kind of like, ew, this is not for me. Chloe was genuinely the only person who had one thing in common with her that entire time, and that was literally just knowing the existence of David Gutter. Yeah, that is like literally what we were just saying. Like, yeah, she's found something that she has in common with somebody, and that's that kind of opens her up a little bit more, I guess. I like the fact that as Chloe was kind of pushing through the scene and trying to get a reaction out of Becca, that it was when she hooked into Titanium and was like, okay, I need to change tact here because she's clearly not getting the singing references. Let's just focus on the song she was singing. That's when kind of like Becca starts to respond and just musing over one song had kind of helped bridge this gap between the two of them. Yeah, and it's probably a good thing too because I feel like she's kind of speaking Becca's language. Like if she'd like actually explained herself like what she was actually doing in there, Becca would have just like pushed her back out. Like, you know, being so inappropriate right now like just get out let's have this conversation later but she like hooked her in with like speaking her language by like actually talking about like a song and like music and stuff can we also just appreciate the fact that just chloe's boundaries seem to know no bounds because oh yeah at any point when you think things are going to start leveling out chloe beale has a way of just pushing the boundaries a little bit more because the next thing she talks about is her lady jam yeah and I feel like it's super important to mention the deleted scene version of that. <laughs> the that song is my jam, my diddle jam. <laughs> it's in the script. It's a diddle jam. Yeah, I feel like that would have been such a funny like. Well, I feel like my lady jam is a funny line as well. But yeah, diddle jam would have been funny. But I feel like it's like more obvious what like a diddle jam is. <laughs> <laughs> not to you but like to people in general <laughs> i didn't know what digital jam was you don't know it fine it's fine but um yeah it like it's, it's kind of more obvious i feel like it's it's safer for them to say like lady jam maybe a little bit more like family whatever <laughs> as family friendly as you can make somebody like walking into somebody else's shower you also pointed out that they actually filmed deleted moments or uh, or bits that weren't used from filming this scene where they actually did say diddle jam and they were like <laughs> yeah. never used it yeah like britney snow like on tumblr britney dash snow um made like a really good like comparison like side by side gifts out of it and also like i very much recommend it because the deleted scene gif where britney i mean sorry chloe well i guess it's britney whatever says um diddle jam rather than like uh lady jam she looks so funny she has like the funniest expression on her face she and looks I feel so like needs to appreciate it <laughs> she looks so <laughs> smug like yeah she's just so happy saying it as yeah yeah she's like oh my god i'm telling you something really personal about myself right now <laughs> But, but I think that works in Chloe's favour. Like, as awkward as it is to bring this up to a stranger, like, who would do that? Clearly Chloe Beale. Like, she's yeah. she's already naked, but then she's going to, like, <laughs> it sounds bad, expose herself more by <laughs> sharing this very personal piece of information about herself. So, like, it's almost like her just like, hey, let me just level the playing field more by letting me tell you some very personal information. <laughs> 
yeah it's like you know you're feeling like exposed right now let me just like throw something out there too and then when Becca's just like that's nice (laughs) yeah Chloe like continues it like it is yeah but like I don't think she realizes just how awkward that makes the whole thing again and you're just like Chloe even more that she then expects Becca to sing it with her so now it's like her and Becca are singing her lady jam and it's like okay so (laughs) I mean you can you can appreciate Becca's horror because Chloe at no point explains herself she still hasn't explained why she's half of the reason why she's there so poor Becca's just there going the stranger's walked into my shower and now wants me to sing her lady jam yeah exactly (laughs) and now that's gonna be like you know burned into Chloe's brain for her next you know jam session we'll call it a jam session (laughs) I'm not wrong I'm just I'm not wrong (laughs) moving on (laughs) see it's only at that point when Chloe Beale asks her to sing her lady jam that Becca reaches her limit yeah and she's like get out <laughs> like, like yeah and no yeah, point she's before like, that she said it yeah but she like wants her out of there so she's like okay I really need to just like cooperate and do whatever she wants to do right now so I can get her out of here like right in a second and then you know what honestly that song probably then becomes Becca's Lady Jam as well because <laughs> why wasn't it <laughs> I mean, you're probably not wrong. I'm just a lot of people have written fix debating what Becca's Lady Jam might be. I'm sure that she wouldn't stop playing Titanium after this moment. Exactly. It's um, a turning point for the movie and for the Chloe. There you go. I mean, this does become the Chloe song. I am still exactly. waiting for Pitch Perfect 4 where they sing and they could like a duet, like slow version of this song come on oh my gosh how cute would that be pitch perfect for titanium like that's the whole like the whole name of the movie just centers around that yeah just like imagine like nobody wants to think about them breaking up but imagine them like getting together and breaking up and then becca like standing outside like chloe's window like singing like a slowed down version of like titanium how cute would that be oh my word (laughs) right (laughs) Oh, anyway, (laughs) that would be so cute. Somebody write that. No words. That would be so good. Yeah, I need it in my life. Okay, so that kind of gets us to the point where they're about to sing Titanium. This scene is so good at really showing you Chloe Beale as a character. Mm -hmm. I feel like you get a lot of Chloe. And it amazes me the fact that, like, after everything that's happened in this moment, she's not going to give up. And, like, she's got Becca there and she's now decided, Chloe Beale has decided Becca's going to sing. Like, that's literally kind of what happens. It's like, no, I'm not leaving here till you sing now. This Chloe's decided and that is what's going to happen. And the way she just kind of expects it to roll out is just amazing. Her confidence level that she's going to get what she wants yeah it's like her captain like thing is like coming out at that point she's like you know again I'm here for business and I'm not leaving until I get this like business transaction or whatever (laughs) it's like until this happens I am here I'm not leaving until you sing with me and I feel like Becca like realizes okay she is not kidding she is not leaving until I do this with her it's the fact that like you get the awkward silence and like 
Chloe just stands there and she's just like, the fact that she knows she's going to get what she wants, whether she's used to getting what she wants, I don't know, but that seems to be the general impression I'm getting. Yeah, because she doesn't seem like, it doesn't seem like it's like just this, right, I'm going to take a shot at like this and hope that it works. It's like, that is what works for her usually. Like usually she's just like, okay, I'm going to get what I want, like one way or another. And she just knows that it's going to happen this time as well. She's like, yeah, well, okay, I'm not leaving until you do this with me. And Becca's like, okay. (laughs) I think what breaks Becca the most out of this whole thing, because you can see her weighing up her options. I think it's the little sigh that Chloe gives as she's waiting. Oh, yeah. I like, I think that's the bit where like Becca's like, this is she's not leaving like she's not gonna go she could stand here for hours and just keep doing that annoying little sigh and yeah she's stuck she just she has to get rid of her at that point and just before they sing you've got Becca she turns around and her eyes are darting everywhere like where the heck do you look now they're like face to face and she kind of takes that moment and then just starts singing yeah and this is like the magical bit of the scene. I think this is when suddenly like the scene kind of changes here because suddenly there's like an agreement between the two of them that, okay, we're going to do this. And when Chloe then joins in, everything just shifts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like when she realizes that they actually like sound good together, that's when she's like, Oh wow. Okay. I can actually do this with like, another person it doesn't have to just be me like singing on my own like doing my own little thing I can actually do with other people and I feel like that's like a big turning point for her like just in general and also probably probably why she actually like even goes to like the audition in the first place because she's like had a little taste of it already I like that just having that little taster of what it could be like I love the fact that like it's so awkward up until that point and like Becca doesn't know where to look and like you know she's clearly uncomfortable and then as soon as she starts singing and I don't know if she expected Chloe to join in because I remember watching her the first time and I wasn't expecting Chloe to to join her I was just kind of expecting her to stand there and listen to Becca sing and she doesn't leave Becca hanging for very long it's only a sort of a few beats and then Chloe's straight in there harmonizing yeah. with her but as soon as chloe starts harmonizing with her their eye contact is just on point and yeah they don't really it's break like they're that. literally yeah they're like straight up just staring at each other at that point and literally before that her eyes are like flickering between like chloe and like the wall or something just like flickering like away from her and then they're just like straight locked on each other and it's like wow okay this really works and then also i definitely see why people like got the chemistry thing from with their like eye contact obviously eye contact is not like the indicator of like chemistry but it does work as really good chemistry in this part at least I feel like anyway I think also I mean you know I might be wrong for me this the shift that you see when they're singing titanium because Becca's been really scared throughout most of this scene because somebody's walked into a shower that bit where they're just keeping eye contact, you just see that fall away and it's almost like suddenly this has become a safer space or they're like, I don't know, they've suddenly got a mutual thing that, that they've got rather than Chloe being this person who's burst in. Suddenly there's kind of a level playing field that's that's happened here and they're kind of just mutually enjoying 
what they're creating together. Yeah. It's, it's like a cute little like collaboration. And it's like, it just stays like in that moment until they like finish. And then they both like smile at each other. And it's like Becca's like smile is like a genuine smile as well. Especially because she like, she seems to catch herself doing it and like purposely stops. Although I guess it's because her eyes then like fall. Like <laughs> they like break the eye contact and then her eyes just like drop and it's like, oops, okay. I remember where we are now. But like, it was like, she was like taken out of that little like awkward, like uncomfortable two naked people in a shower thing for like the minute or whatever that they're singing for. And then she kind of comes back into it when her eyes drop and she's like, oh, okay. Yeah, we're still here. We're still, <laughs> still doing something like uncomfortable. But it definitely, it definitely took her into like a whole like safe other little world while they were singing. It's, it's kind of interesting the fact that like like you mentioned that she does seem to forget where she is or like I think both mm-hmm. of them but Chloe just doesn't seem to remember where she is the whole scene but no. like 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 you you do see that with Becca and I mean and you think of the lyrics like they're literally staring at each other basically saying that I'm not going to fall I'm titanium and like mm-hmm. it's like a whole mood this whole moment that bubble that they created through titanium and and uh, you can see why titanium becomes becca and chloe's song yeah it's like a cute song just like in general but yeah it definitely works for them and i feel like it's really good for like both of their voices as well i know like britney snow like generally says that she's not a singer i feel like i've heard in a few like interviews like when people say anything about her singing she's like oh no no i'm not a singer i'm an actor but like that song like does genuinely like work for like her voice and it works for Kendrick's too so it's like it's just a really good song for them I wonder if they had like a different song that they were like considering because they do that don't they They, like consider like different songs that's true because like in script especially in the pitch perfect there are moments when it's a different song than what they end up using but this one has always been from what I know it's always titanium I've never heard it being any other song yeah, it would have been weird if it was like a different song. But I feel like that one just works really well because it's like good lyrics and also just works with both of their voices. And it was like current, I guess, at that time. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Titanium was already a pretty big song when the movie came out. And it's mm. one of those songs that hasn't like lost. I feel like it hasn't lost its draw. Like yeah. you hear it now, the first few bars of that song, when I if I play it, when I'm doing a gig, people know it. I think if anything else, it, it's just, it's become an iconic song, especially in mm-hmm. the era that it came out. So like, t- they picked a good song t- to have for that moment. Yeah, and honestly, like Pitch Perfect could be like, like an additional like reason why it has become such like a big song. Cause like, maybe like the ships and stuff are not like super like universally like known, like outside of like fandom, like people don't really care too much. But like the movies, people like care about them like more people like they're like really popular movies i see them on like buzzfeed lists and stuff anyway (laughs) that's true i mean like to have pitch perfect and it also having titanium in it i mean both of those things have kind of lived quite good reputations up to now yeah so on tumblr kdawg superfan said becca realizes that maybe acapella isn't as lame as it sounds just that small pre-chorus and chorus they sang you can see becca's face when they're done singing that she actually enjoyed how they sounded together 
And for Chloe, it's really the first time we see her being so careless with boundaries, which is a huge headcanon for a lot of people in their stories. I love the fact that like people really do notice the fact that like it doesn't take that much of the song for Becca to suddenly be like, oh, wait, like yeah. this actually sounded really good. Yeah, it's just like this small like moment and that's all she really needed, which says a lot because I feel like if you can like figure something out in that short amount of time, then it was always kind of there. It's kind of like at the front of her mind. It's just she needed Chloe to like pull it out a bit more like that like a little bit of like confidence because Becca has a lot of confidence when she's singing like even if she's not super confident like in general when she's singing she definitely has a lot of it and like Chloe helps pull that out yeah I think once she gets on the stage she can have quite the performer like to her she kind of gets down to business but I think it's interesting with this whole moment because I don't think she may necessarily saw the potential that she could have with acapella and -hmm. whether it was just having a door open to her obviously she didn't know whether or not she's going to make the, the bellas or what at that point but like just opening that door or chloe opening that door to the possibilities i could imagine becca's mind just kind of reeling with like oh wait like this could work and then suddenly clearly later on down the film you see that she's thinking about what they could do differently or what she could add to it or like maybe they could sing this or try you know her her mind then creatively kind of works with this whole new thing around music that maybe she hadn't considered before yeah it's just like it's just opening up like a whole new thing to her like you just said and it's like just probably not something she's ever even like considered it's like can you imagine like becca in like high school like joining like chorus like choir or whatever like it just never happened yeah so it's like she probably expects that it's going to be like that she's like oh gosh it's just like another like darky like choir kind of thing and then she realizes oh wait no it's actually pretty cool not that I'm going to admit that yeah but yeah it's pretty cool and you can kind of see why then she might get the frustration later with Aubrey because it's like she suddenly sees the potential this could have and she's obviously getting ideas of making like, arrangements or whatever else and Aubrey's like no but like yeah the little spark is there and that's enough to maybe just set Becca off on on this kind of road yeah because she had like the freedom with like that song because she knew it and it was like the song that she'd been singing when she walked in and like Chloe was like okay let's sing that song because you know you like that song you know that song like we'll sing that and then like I'm like getting into a different scene here but then like when she does her like audition thing it's like she doesn't have to do what everybody else does she gets like her own freedom again so then when she like actually joins the Bellas and Aubrey takes that freedom away it's like ah okay maybe this was a bad idea (laughs) (laughs) but she doesn't know that just yet (laughs) yeah exactly so right now she's kind of being told like she's kind of getting the sense like, okay, maybe I can like do something with this. Like maybe I can still have my little, like little individuality thing with this. But nope. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's, that's the very Becca thing though, is just like this individuality that she wants to have with what she does or what she creates and the freedom to just be able to do that. Yep. And then we get to the end of it. Like, I love the fact that they're both so overjoyed with how that went. Like, Chloe, I mean, Chloe's face is just, like, beaming. Yeah. 
Like, even Becca's so is for like the shortest like moment, even Becca's is. And she's got, like I said, she drops her. Eyes. She's got such a genuine smile. Like Becca's just like, yeah, there's no mask. Like I think a lot up until that point with Becca, you've had like a certain amount of protection going on. And mm-hmm. like at that moment, it's just such a genuine smile. Yeah. Like, that's, like, the real her, like, coming out. Like, she's been, like, hiding it behind, like, all her, like, eyeliner and, like, scowly facial expressions. And then she's, like, just genuinely, like, oh, like, this is fun. And, like, I'm genuinely happy right now. But, like, that split second until she realizes, okay, this is weird. <laughs> and I was the not only like, thing in that's weird. It was, <laughs> you know, the naked woman that's weird. <laughs> and the only person who's got that out of Becca so far is Chloe. Yeah, exactly, which just says a lot. <laughs> I love the fact that, like you mentioned, it slowly shifts from her having this like genuinely happy moment and then being like, everything just gets taken back down to reality and it's like, oh, wait a second. Yeah. We're both naked. This should not be happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's when like she like looks down and Chloe is like, oh, yeah. like The first time Chloe acknowledges the fact that she's like doing anything wrong, but it's like weird that she's like naked. She's like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty confident. I'm just like, oh. <laughs> she's like, okay, so you do know what you're doing, man. You do realise that. <laughs> and that, but that, I mean, that, I think that's the thing is like <clears throat> anybody else, you'd be like, you do like, you might want to cover it up. Chloe's just like, oh, it's fine. Like, yeah. I, this is normal. <laughs> Yeah, but it's also, like, another thing where it's, like, you know that she didn't have any, like, ulterior motives or anything and, like, going in there. She just genuinely didn't even think about it. And even when it's brought to her attention, she's like, oh, yeah, that that's nothing. Like, you know. I think that's very true. <laughs> yeah, like, it's almost like it's normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I don't know how often she walks around naked, but, like, yeah, like you said, it's not even something that came across her mind. Yeah, it's just, like, a normal, like, Thing for her she's fine and that's i think that also then plays into the fact that like just before that becca's checked her out like a lot of people draw it i you know will will mention or highlight that bit where becca's eyes wander and after chloe acknowledges the fact that she's pretty confident about all that is becca's line that you should be, <laughs> should be. Like, and it's like it's just that little whisper of uh acknowledgement and chloe um, just loves it she's in it all up yeah chloe's like true no it's like <laughs> becca's little like you know becca's little like gay line <laughs> like you should be <laughs> it's one thing that i've always thought about which little tangent is the fact that like pitch perfect 2 we obviously get becca's awkward lines with commissar that go throughout the movie but i was always mm-hmm. like i always wondered since Becca joins the Bellas, and you have that line in the shower of, of Becca acknowledging that Chloe should be confident about all that, that was there like a period of time when Becca just said or did awkward things because she was around a pretty girl and you never quite saw it because like, you know, that wasn't put into the movie and you never saw like the build up to that. But I was like, somebody needs to write that. Like, just like Becca's awkwardness because eventually she gets over it because she's around the person enough but yeah. like there would have been a build-up because it that is very true on. and that would be so fun to read but then also on like the other side of that it's like with commissar it's like just a random like little weird like 
odd little crush thing, just like a little girl crush thing. Whereas like with like Chloe, if you're like a the Chloe shipper, it's like, it's not like an awkward little crush. It's like something more than that. So maybe she doesn't actually, maybe she's not actually like that with Chloe. It would definitely be fun to like see it. It would be fun to see it written out, like her like falling over her words and everything. Just like Chloe's in the room. <laughs> what would be her awkward like little thing with Chloe if if they were in the Bellas at the beginning? Well, I feel like this is something I like headcanon and that I see a lot of people do is Chloe, like cause she like just walks into Becca's shower like naked. Like I kind of headcanon that she just kind of walks around like that a lot of the time like a lot of the time she like doesn't care like she'll go take a shower like I'm assuming in the house they don't have their own bathrooms like they probably have like a couple bathrooms in the house but they like all share them so she probably like goes to take a shower and then she'll just like walk across like the like hallway like to her room and then Paul Becker's just like oh my god oh my god oh my god <laughs> like, they just like cover her eyes but she's like I've already seen it I don't know why I care so much and then it gets to like a point where she's eventually like you know what yeah okay <laughs> This is fine. I see this all the time. It's fine. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, she has the shower scene in Pitch Perfect 1. They're living together in Pitch Perfect 2 in a house where they're sharing shower, you know, bathrooms and stuff. You get to the point in Pitch Perfect 3 where the shower is like, there's in no the privacy room. in that apartment. She's probably so desensitized by that point. It's just normal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like you have to be, if you literally live with two roommates in the tiny little, like, studio that they live in they literally have like their toilet in the same room as like their living room and kitchen and like bedroom and stuff it's like you can't you just can't have any boundaries <laughs> at that point like it's like becca's now desensitized by that point chloe's just like helped her along there you go <laughs> yep we had a, a quote on tumblr by pink pastels 113 who said that when they watched the scene, they were just like, are they going to make them get together or what? You don't make mm -hmm. the, an intense scene like this and then, like, cast it to the side. And I don't know how many people watched that that scene and were just like, well, it's clearly this is, uh, this is the couple in this movie. But I think a lot yeah. of people sort of hooked into that. Many people. Um, I had this, like like group chat like with a few like there were only like a handful of us and it. it was a while ago and um it wasn't all like fandom people like there were some of like my like friends from like outside of fandom or whatever and um we ended up watching uh pitch perfect and with somebody that had never seen it before and was never in the fandom and like wasn't in like didn't know anything about chloe and when we were watching it when we got to like the shower scene she was like oh these two are so like getting together and we were like yeah they're not and she literally <laughs> didn't believe us that they were not. And we were like, yeah, unfortunately they're not. But then I guess like they kind of um, shoot that down with like Tom coming like back in at that point, you know, kind of to be like, anyway, Chloe, like, where were we? And she just kind of like leaves and it's like, okay, cool. Thanks for that little bit of um, queer bait. <laughs> That's so true though. Like you have this lovely moment with Titanium and, and it's all just like, there's just like such a lovely warm feeling going on right now and then suddenly it literally gets blown out of the water again this whole scene is just a roller coaster of emotion like yeah. from the scaredness to like then the sweet moment and then like 
let's just blow that sweet moment away by throwing Tom back into the mix. He just sticks his head around the corner and then just makes everything so awkward. Yeah, but it's also like, it's like at that point, Becca's just like over it because he like pops in and he's like, you have a lovely voice and she's just like, thanks. Like, okay, I'm done with this now. Get out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you literally got, Becca suddenly is horrified. Like, yeah, like you said, she's, she's done. Like, yeah, this is done for her. You've then got like, Chloe's just still in like elation of what happened. She just seems to be still fairly like just in smiling in her, yeah, little bubble. in her own little place. And then Tom's there like nodding, just looking between the two of them. And it's like, okay Tom move on like yeah like we know what Tom is thinking at that moment Becca is not thinking that Chloe may be thinking that a little bit I don't know but um she's just like she like totally forgot that she was meant to be with like Tom as well because she's just like oh okay yeah like it's like it just he like reminded her like you know we were kind of in the middle of something she's just like oh yeah okay I'll leave you to it right I'll be I'll go get back to what I was doing before (laughs) That's literally it. Then she walks out. That is genuinely it. <laughs> Becca's like just there. The, I'm reading the script right now and it's like an awkward moment. Chloe pulls Tom out. Becca stands there stunned. And then, oh, then it's like push in on Becca smiling. A look of realisation crosses her face. We move tighter on Becca. And then it moves to like the auditions. But like in the script, Becca's like literally smiling about it. Like oh, even really? after. Yeah. After yeah, after Chloe pulls Tom out, Becca is like standing there smiling with a look of realization on her face. Wild! I've never, I didn't notice that. Well, clearly, it left an impression on Becca. Uh huh. Because she does go to the audition. I mean, however you want to read into it. I mean, Chloe took a risk. It like Becca could have walked away from this moment, being like, "Heck no!" Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely no it was like it worked out and then pulling like the script into it with her smiling with a look of realization on her face like it obviously did work out yeah it worked out yeah and as we've mentioned before i mean this is like the pivotal this is the life-changing moment for becca who would have thought i i you know you look you look back and you think that was the that was the scene that She's going to look back on um, and be like, wow, I went through winning an IC, you know, the ICCAs to winning worlds to suddenly later on, you know, I don't know how many years, seven years later, get a recording contract because yeah. of this scene. Pretty yeah, much. this is the girl who doesn't even sing. And then yeah. suddenly she sings for a living yeah that's pretty good and like you know another chloe sense chloe had a lot to do with that which is nice so how much is the shower scene a pivotal moment in becca and chloe's relationship whether it's the chloe or friendship or whatever um i'm i feel like it's a big like it's a big moment for them even friendship wise because it's kind of like Becca kind of realizes that she can kind of trust Chloe and I feel like because she's been so lonely before she probably hasn't trusted a lot of people and she hasn't had like reason to trust a lot of people so yeah it's like a big moment for her it's I feel like it's a big moment for like just Becca in general with people and it just happens that it's Chloe and it happens that she's got a lot of chemistry with Chloe but we won't get into that and yeah I just think it's like a big moment yeah 
I mean, don't you? Don't you think that's like a big... Yeah, I mean, I think all the issues with the shower scene aside, I think because you get to see Becca genuinely shift in this scene, like as the scene plays out, she seems to find someone with which she finds a common ground with or a common love of something. And Mm -hmm. for me, that is like what builds the foundation of their friendship. And this was a girl that she probably underestimated or just kind of categorized into a box somewhere of like, oh, you're an acapella nerd. Um, And suddenly realizing that there was more, they had more in common than, than she thought. But it was more than that because Chloe, I think it was the eye contact and that bit where just like, she had felt safe with Chloe, like, yeah, out of everything else that had happened. I mean, they haven't had a lot of time together, but like in that scene, Chloe's the only one who seems to have gotten through to Becca and also like just gotten a genuine reaction out of her, which I think yeah. was very difficult. I mean, you see the the radio scene, Jesse tries so hard and like they get on and it's all fine, but it's all sarcastic and it's all like, you know, with a facade up, whereas this one is just, that's all wiped away. Yeah, um, and like even her dad didn't get like that reaction from her. He didn't get like an open reaction and then Chloe yeah. does. So and like, it was just a big thing. The fact that you get that in just like this small interaction of however long this this would have taken, I think leads really well into what then they become. And maybe you don't see it all of what their friendship could have been in Pitch Perfect 1, but you kind of get that sense in Pitch Perfect 2 that they've really got this very deep-rooted friendship or relationship, what do you want to call it, because relationship. of what they become <laughs> later on. <laughs> calling it a relationship well I don't know like (laughs) we're gonna go with friendship right now because that's what they are in the uh in the movies oh (laughs) we'd like it to be more (laughs) yeah it's more don't take this away from me no okay yeah it's friendship in the movies whatever but um yeah no you're right it's it is just like a big moment I think it's also just really nice that like the lead up to the scene was about making friends and like the first person she kind of gets that genuine connection with is Chloe. Yeah. And like, I keep stepping on like future scenes and stuff here. The one part where she's talking about how like she doesn't have a lot of female friends. So it's like a big deal that Chloe was like her first, like the first like female that like tried with her, I guess. So it's like, it is a big like changing point for her. And it's something again that she like mentions like later on like you know I didn't have a lot of female friends and it's like well now I do and that's like Chloe's kind of doing she kind of opened that like door for her I love just that. in a bad way she <laughs> opened it in a bad way she opened the shower curtain for her she literally opened the door <laughs> the curtain yeah but yeah no it's like it is a good it's an important thing yeah and what do you think Chloe got out of this whole th- scene we always talk about Becca's side of things but I think Chloe got a lot of this as well well I think genuinely not from like a Chloe like perspective from like just a general perspective she just got what she wanted like she got she wanted like a new person to join like the Bellas and that's what she got she was like okay this person is perfect like and that's what she got like 
she went in there for her business and she got that business <laughs> i'm basically it's, referring to it as that because that's what it is <laughs> i do like the fact that during the movie there's this whole like reference that chloe makes with becca that she makes them better and mm-hmm. i think you that builds up through the movie when you sort of get the first scene of them at the activities fair and like Chloe literally stares at her and says, please help make our dreams a reality. And like, then you have this scene and you get to see Chloe kind of going on almost autopilot captain of just like, this is like, like you mentioned before, this is like her big captain moment because you don't get a lot of them because Aubrey, Aubrey kind of takes a lot of those. But this is Chloe's way of being the captain in just like, she saw this person, she suddenly knows they're good, and I'm going to get them. And, yeah, and uh, it was, like, the most important, like, captain decision in the entire, like, movie because it was thanks to Becca that they ended up winning, like, in the end and becoming, like, as successful as they did. So Aubrey may make, like, all of the decisions, but Chloe made the main important decision, and that was, like, getting Becca. <laughs> there you go. That is yep. <laughs> And, like, yep. you do get to see, like... Yeah, okay, or like Chloe might have let Aubrey run things or, or whatever, but when Chloe wants to, she will get it done. Mm-hmm. This scene is and a result of that. Yeah, exactly. It's just done in a very wrong way, but she does it. She does what she wants to do with her whole dress, literally. And <laughs> she <laughs> she just yeah, she gets what she wants. I think that's I think that's a great thing because like you might think that Chloe's a little bit I don't want to say reserves the wrong word but like she's let Aubrey kind of call the shots and whatever else but the bottom line is when Chloe want like when she genuinely wants to do something she will do it like she's not shy mm-hmm. about yeah. doing what she thinks is right or whatever or, or doing what she thinks needs to be done and she's also been Becca's biggest advocate I suppose and like based on the fact that she hears this girl sing and knows that they can make them better. And she's like, we need that person in the ballads. And she's literally gone to great lengths to, to make that happen. (laughs) Yeah. She's like Becca's biggest fan. And that starts like right here and then just continues on through the entire like three movies. And then beyond that, because we know that the third movie is not where it ends. Thanks to fanfic. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) I mean, also just for the fact that, like, Chloe Beale's love of the Bellas, we see it a lot in Pitch Perfect 2, but oh my word, like, if you if we really consider Pitch Perfect 1 and her desire of, of the fact that, you know, you could join this group of girls and help us get to the ICCAs and, like, we all sing together, it's a whole thing, and the reason she's doing this is for the Bellas. Like, Chloe loves the Bellas so much, that she will yeah. do so like she much genuinely does yeah yeah like she didn't do this for herself she did it for like the bellas she wanted them to like be successful and she like knew that that voice was gonna help them like along so she was she was just helping out the bellas she was just being captain and we love her for it the fact that she saw this little alt girl and saw the potential in her to be a bella mm-hmm yep exactly well said <laughs> <laughs> I think we've kind of hit full circle there 
I think we have. I think we have very much dissected this scene. <laughs> there was an awful lot in there, but uh, yeah, we have spent a long time on the shower scene. Yep. Well, thank you so much for helping me like look at the scene and break it down. There was an awful lot there and it is a difficult scene to kind of go through. So I really, really appreciate it. You are very welcome. Thank you for asking me. And, and just also to for listening to my um, rambling. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. I rambled too. I mean, there's so many thoughts you can have with the scene. It's just like, where do you stop? Yeah, yeah. yeah there is no stopping. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to go away now and read fan fiction. But yep. <laughs> if, uh, if anybody wanted to check out your stuff, where can they do that again? Um, yep. Again, I am Chloe Beale on Tumblr. You're going to make me do it again. I am T-M-Y-L-M on AO3. And there you go. Everything. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. And a big thank you to Ellie for joining me on this episode of the podcast and delving into the shower scene because I was so nervous to do it. I had to get somebody that I could trust to kind of just help me work through the shower scene. And of course, I'd love to hear your thoughts on the shower scene. You can drop me a message on places like Tumblr, at Pitchlapped, or of course, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, where you can drop me a message and let me know your thoughts. Right now, though, I think let's delve into some fan fiction highlights. So, in our fan fiction highlights this week, we've got an eclectic mix of things going on. Starting off with Long Walk by Late 2 d Party on AO3, the summary says, A few weeks after the events at the end of Pitch Perfect 3, Aubrey considers how the lack of performing together nearly cost everyone their lives. Aubrey considers how the lack of performing together nearly cost everyone their lives. It's quite a ambiguous summary, but it really kind of leads into some really deep topics. This is a junction fic for a little bit of a change, and... It's a really interesting one-shot looking at two different characters and maybe their perspectives coming out of Pitch Perfect 3. Because often we look at Becca and we look at Chloe, but this time we're looking really quite deeply at Aubrey Posen and also Emily Junk. What I found really interesting is because Pitch Perfect's a comedy movie and it kind of goes quite outlandish, we kind of gloss over the fact that, you know what, they were in like a a hostage situation in Pitch Perfect 3. Like, that's quite scarring. (laughs) They escaped, it was all good, but still. So it was really interesting delving into this story where it kind of focuses on the fact that, you know what, probably being held hostage on a boat and having to escape is probably quite a traumatising event and how they're dealing with everything that happened because an awful lot happens quite quickly at the end of that movie and it was really interesting delving into kind of Aubrey's mindset and it really kind of goes quite deep into Aubrey and just how things just spiralled in her mind like this whole idea of trying to get some normalcy after the USO tour and kind of dropping back into normal life, how different Bellas would have dealt with that. And it was interesting looking at Aubrey and Emily and how them going back to where they were before is maybe not as easy as you would think because of what they had experienced and maybe the relationships or friendships that had been built up from it as well. Like Emily going back to college to finish up and 
maybe like priorities have changed a little bit or Aubrey and we knew at the end of Pitch Perfect 3 like she was making plans and maybe she's not completely happy at the lodge and like how is she dealing with everything how is she moving through everything what is going on in her mind and you kind of get a really deep insight into that and it doesn't just reel from things from Pitch Perfect 3 but also kind of like beyond that but as well looking at maybe how her life hasn't turned out the way she thought it was or how does she feel really about what happened with the Bellas and like does she still see herself as having worth there or does she really kind of think that Becca just saved everything and she ruined everything like all these things are kind of going on and it really kind of makes you look at Aubrey and consider like how did she take everything where was she at with uh, where her life's gone and where it is now because out of all the Bellas she's the one who's been out of college the longest and is trying to kind of tread a path for herself and knowing her history and knowing her family background and like the pressures she's always had that we kind of learn from Pitch Perfect One about trying to be successful and be the best and all this stuff how those pressures kind of weigh on Aubrey Posen and it gets quite dark in places I was quite surprised that the one shot goes so deep so easily and crossing that then with Emily you've got kind of Aubrey going into a dark place and Emily kind of also weighing up what has happened to her and like how she's moving forward but at the same time how they both deal with things very differently like I love the fact that although Emily was experiencing her own kind of head fit with what happened it felt like she was looking outward and just needed to connect with Aubrey and that's kind of an interesting take was Aubrey went all inward and like considered and overthought and maybe went through everything there. Emily looked outward and how that brought both of their paths kind of crossing together. And so getting these two characters that are quite different and seeing their paths cross, but also how they kind of played off each other when they're both a very vulnerable place was really endearing to read and I just really found this story really touching it really kind of left it quite tender it was quite a sweet ending to the story and it kind of made you think a lot I really enjoyed delving into the story and it just kind of made me want to get more of this little universe that had been kind of built up in this one shot between Junkson the next story that I wanted to highlight this week is called Just So You Know This Isn't A Date by Cam's High 10 on AO3. The summary says, just so you know this isn't a date, Amy manages to convince Chloe and Becca to have a dinner with the new guy she's dating so it doesn't get awkward. Disclaimer, awkwardness happens regardless. This is a one-shot as well, but I will just say this is just such a fun little story and I think a big factor of it is just you kind of get the premise of what's happening from the summary but each of the characters whether it's Amy, Chloe or Becca just bring something to the table that just makes this a really fun and endearing story to read especially at the beginning Amy just was so funny partly because you get this whole idea that this idea has been crafted and she's trying to propose the idea to Becca and Chloe and the way in which she goes about it is just hilarious 
when I was reading it, I could totally imagine this being something that Fat Amy would do or the way that she would handle it. And like, I could totally visualize this if they were living in a slightly different apartment to what they were in Pitch Perfect 3. It just made me like smile just reading through this and just being like, oh my word, I can picture this happening so well. And just the amusement of like Chloe watching this unfold or whatever. Amy like dropping the bomb of what's going to happen and Becca just thinking she's okay and then suddenly like, what the heck? Like it all just comes together in this moment. That kind of then leads in and plays really well for what happens for the rest of the story because you you get this inkling that this plan has been laid out for a reason, maybe not just for Amy to date this guy because as I sort of dove into the story, I'm like, why would Amy need help dating a guy? I mean, she's literally goes off with her guy friends all the time in say Pitch Perfect 2 or whatever and just sneaks out like why would it be any different this is Amy she's very like loud out there unapologetic like nobody's gonna intimidate Amy of course like you understand why as you're reading the story and it all connects together and what's really fun with this one especially with like a little bit of a fake dating AU is how Becca and Chloe like play off each other. What was quite a nice change was the fact that they didn't really have time to prepare themselves for this date. Like normally when I've read fake dating stories, like they have a little chat beforehand, like they get the story down, how it's all going to play out. This one, I think because it was quite a fast paced one shot, it was literally like, no, they're not going to get that chance. They have to make it up on the spot, which worked so well in the story, just for the fact that it meant that they had to lean on their own relationship already. And because they're both pining and just crazy in love and they just won't admit it, as simple but Chloe stories often do, you get this really endearing side to them because they have to lean on their past experiences as their friendship or relationship, whatever it was, and what that means to them. They can be quite honest, even though it's kind of supposed to be this ruse. But because they're speaking from experiences that they have had, it makes the characters kind of delve deeper into how they feel. And it was just such a like endearing way to go about it. And I just really got this great sense that you really get the characters from the story, like where they're at. There's a great bit near the end where Becca's kind of put on the line and you get a real sense of her vulnerability and how difficult maybe she finds opening up, especially when you're at that knife edge. You often get with Becca and Chloe's stories, do you admit your feelings? Do you not admit your feelings? Like what's at stake here? It was just such an endearing kind of journey to go on with some hilarious kind of fun moments in between. And the final story that we're going to highlight this week is a story called Don't Let Go If You Love Me by Someone Stupid. This is available on AO3 and the summary says Becca lives in LA, Chloe lives in New York, Becca's been a solo artist for the past four years, Chloe's been attending vet school for the past four years, Becca is hopelessly in love with Chloe. Chloe really loves being Becca's best friend. It's totally cool and fine and great and not unbearable at all. It's so fine, Becca loves it. Occasionally there'll be a story that 
I get recommended to me quite often and this was one of those types of stories. I will just premise this by saying that this is a very smutty story. So if you're not into smut, you probably want to avoid this one. (laughs) It felt like it was a few years into the future after Pitch Perfect 3 and Becca and Chloe had kind of gone on with their careers and yet they kept that close-knit friendship that they did have, whether they have to try and do it long distance or whatever. And one of the things the author says in their notes that they believed that Becca's love language is touch and the reason she doesn't like people touching her is because she doesn't want to let people in so she doesn't let people get very close and of course Chloe is the exception to that and I loved how it kind of built up this story with both of them working hard at whatever positions they were in and finding ways to keep their friendship alive and you really get the sense from both of them that they kind of work really hard to keep that closeness and it's not really lost even though they're at separate ends of the United States, one in LA, one in New York. And this story really delves into Becca's kind of mindset and viewpoint and reading off of Chloe as it's going on. And so with that, you get kind of the full depth of how Becca feels at like most moments of this story. And it just leads to this whole kind of heartache and just head spin of what kind of happens because they obviously are really close and when they do get the opportunity to see each other, it really means a lot. And you really get that deep sense from Becca of just how deeply she feels about Chloe. But at the same time, how well Chloe reads Becca. There's like, it's quite playful in parts and you really get that kind of sense of their fun, flirty nature between the two of them, whether it's in person or over the phone. Like, you get to see them working through their friendship in so many different ways. And this fic really kind of just escalates. But going into this whole idea that Becca's love language was touch was really interesting how this kind of played out into the story. Especially when you're feeling that much for a friend or a best friend who's not that close that when you do meet in person like it means so much and we obviously know the history of Becca and Chloe and like how closely knit their friendship is and so when Chloe comes to see Becca in person like it means so much to Becca and you've kind of got this sense of how deeply Becca feels and how desperate she is to kind of want it to be more and to express herself but obviously she kind of holds back a lot of the time and so you really get this kind of inward battle you feel like with Becca wanting to kind of express herself as much as she can but also holding herself back because she doesn't feel like she can and she's afraid of what would happen and we get you know I mean I am always here for the pining I love a good pining story like I just a sucker for it and so you You get that whole sense with Becca with this whole like pining and worried about what would happen if the true feelings came out. And so you get this moment in the story where Chloe and Becca are at Becca's apartment and like she hasn't seen Chloe in like close to a year. Chloe's there and it's just a really sweet moment of them like connecting and you get to see this slightly vulnerable side to Becca. Clearly it's only a side that Chloe would ever see. And it's just Becca like hugging Chloe, but she just can't let go. And it just kind of escalates. And of course, Chloe being Chloe, 
will take anything Becca's willing to give her. And even in this small action, this small moment, you can just... It's lovely to see the two play off of each other. And it just kind of, as it would with a smutty fic, one thing leads to the other. But, like, very little words are said in that moment. It's just through the actions and Chloe and Becca just kind of trusting each other so well. And you get this kind of, you know, this lovely endearing moment and obviously things happen. Just as you're kind of getting through that, something that should be really endearing and really lovely, and it is, but obviously at some point people have to go back to reality. And then you get this whole kind of like head fit with Becca where things have escalated in a way that she can't really compute and she's not entirely sure like how to read it she's expressing herself and it's amazing and you know clearly this is now like a friends with benefits situation and yet like not all the truth is out there and so she's getting like the best side of things but also the worst side of things at the same time and as it kind of really connected me with the summary of the story because then when you read through the summary it just sounds very sarcastic it's almost like it's in becca's mind this whole like this is amazing but it is actually completely unbearable and I don't know how to deal with it. And that's literally how the thick kind of plays out. It just gets deeper and deeper into this kind of mind-bending situation that Becca finds herself in with Chloe. And clearly both of them just don't know how to kind of breach the subject. And so they just kind of get deeper and deeper into this situation and it's just like a whole thing. But one thing I thought was really interesting because with stories like this I've often read them and they kind of blow up at some point it's like a big blow up and I was kind of expecting that to happen but this really caught me off guard as you go through the story the fact that things are just very natural and I was completely caught off with how this all played itself out obviously like how it came to its conclusion it was not what I was expecting at all and yet it just it just felt like it fitted the story so well and it fitted the characters and it fitted Becca and Chloe who just kind of fall into this. It just felt so natural and that is literally what it was. I do feel like there's like a little bit of maybe Chloe taking a lead in helping that move forward. Like somebody somewhere had to make a stand but it all just worked and the fact that that was often sparked at the very beginning by Becca's action by Becca not wanting to let go because of how she felt and maybe she couldn't verbalize that but it was just from that action that it kind of started off was just really interesting take on it and you know of course there's there's a lot of smuntiness in there as well but like a very like endearing story as well so like there's a lot in there but it was really great to kind of delve into Becca's mindset and to see how natural but Chloe could be clearly it's uh it's a bit of a smart fest but like that's up to you those are our fix this week thank you so much for listening if you want to keep up to date with the podcast we are on tumblr twitter instagram and facebook just look for pitch slap pod and of course, we have got a Ko-Fi account now so that you can support the podcast. All the donations for that are going straight back into the podcast itself so we can keep it running. Thank you so much for all of your support and I will see you next time, pitches.